You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Let's go on to the Central African time. Let's welcome our Pais and Sagacious Umar with a hearty assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. The program is the Medical Files. And alhamdulillah, this evening we'll be talking to Dr. Ridwan Umar, a pediatrician, very popular on the platforms of Marcus Sahaba. And, you know, I told him before the show. Uh, before you know, we got him on and asked him what topic would you like to talk on, and he spoke about the picky eater. And I was, you know, quite amazed because I've got a set of cats here, and they're such picky eaters, it's just unreal. They're this one a special brand, and no other. You'd put it in front of them, they just wouldn't have it. And I wonder how they become uh, picky eaters. Who are they learning from? Are we learning from the animals or the animals learning from us? Let's welcome a pious and sagacious Umar with a hearty assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And there he is, a doctor full of smiles and, you know, under these applying conditions and during this time of pandemic, he keeps up a brave front. And he's in the front also, alhamdulillah, loved by many. Dr. Ridwan Umar, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And tell me, how are you doing this fine, a beautiful Wednesday evening? Alaikum salam, rahmatullah, barakatuh, brother Shafat. Alhamdulillah, very well with your duas, and uh, I pray that you are doing well as uh, as well. I tell you, Ridwan, uh, Doctor Ridwan Umar, I'm doing very well. But you know, we had uh, common friends, and uh, you know, uh, your your family members too. Uh, Doctor M M Jadwood making farza from the dunya. Then we had a farza Jadwood leaving, and uh, you know, it was just amazing. And then you had uh, Sali Muhammadi, another. Uh, he's a pediatrician just like you, making farza from the dunya. And you know, tough times indeed. People that we knew personally, that we interacted with them, I like we spoke to them quite often. Doctor M M Jadwood used to phone me at least once a week to talk to me and listens to my shows and, you know, give comments. And was, uh, you know, a very close family friends. And what goes through your mind, you know, looking at the young and the old making parada from the dunya, Dr. Ridwan Umar? That's a very, very good question, a very sensitive uh, talk. You know, as a family, we, we, we went through a lot of the tribulations in the last few weeks. And like you mentioned, you know, we lost my brother-in-law, Dadwood, um, Dr. Mohammed uh, Musa Jadwood, who was, you know, a pioneer of Isipingo, and then Dr. Sali Mohammadi, the pediatrician as well, and his mom also passed away. And Alhamdulillah, they all got moth on a Juma. Each one of them, one Friday after the next Friday, the following Friday, and 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 the last Friday, they all had four funerals, four weeks in a row, and all close family members. Um, it was obviously a very trying time, but during these times, obviously, it's an opportunity for us to, to become closer to Allah and to reflect on what legacies these people have left behind, because each one of them, in their own way, left some legacy behind. I mean, if you talk of Dr. Jadwood, you know, he's the type of person that I look for uh, inspiration, you know, in my own professional practice. Uh, the humility with which he treated his patients, the love, the smiles that he had, you know, whenever we walked in as little children into his surgery, you know, and I always remember him telling me that, that you know, the practice of medicine should never be for material gain, you should never do it for money, you must be there to help people. Uh, you know, those words always ring in my mind. He was a great and he was a successful doctor, and his motto in life was to help people. And, and, you know, from the time I was a little boy, I always drew inspiration from him and how he treated his patients and how he, he ran his practice, you know, and, and, and how he would go out of his way to help his patients. And, 
and to serve the people. You know, he even gave me stories of how he would go into the townships and into the rural areas when he just started as a practitioner to go and help people and to go and see to patients who couldn't come to his surgery for whatever reason. So there was a lot to learn from this gentle giant, you know. Uh, may Allah forgive him and forgive all our marhumin. So yeah, it, I was, mean, it, it was very difficult. You know, I tell you, Dr. Ridwan Umar, I was very close to him. As you said, from young, I, I used to even go to surgery. He used to be chock or block. And, you know, yeah. uh, uh, the, the, the people loved him. And when he made parza from the dunya, you won't believe it, the amount of non-Muslims that embraced him, celebrated him, that acknowledged him. But whilst in his living years, I think they even gave him uh, awards of being a legend of a pingo. He was also, you know, a, a politician here. Yeah, he was a counselor here. And, uh, you know, definitely uh, roads are named after the Jadwood family. There's a Jadwood Road in in Spingo. They're not forgetting there's a Khan's Road and also a Khan's Lane. But uh, enough of that, alhamdulillah. You, alhamdulillah, are writing your legacy in this dunya. And alhamdulillah, very much so. Like Dr. Jadwood, you have a very cordial relationship with everyone. Your efficacious smile is also felt on the, this radio station. The picky child, you know, talk to us about, hey, what's wrong with this picky kids? They're so picky. Uh, maybe being a picky eater or having a picky appetite. There's so much of stress on uh, parents and perhaps even on the pediatrician, uh, Dr. Ridwan Umar. I begin by praising Almighty Allah and I send abundant salam on our beloved Nabi Muhammad Now, this topic of, of having picky eaters is a very common topic. If you have to eavesdrop, you know, on a group of preschool parents either chatting at the playground or waiting in the car park to pick up their children, chances are we'll often hear them complaining about their children and their poor eating habits. Now, even in my room, I often get concerned parents worried about their child eating or not eating. So, for the benefit of our listeners, um, what I would like to explain is what is a picky eater? Generally, we refer to a picky eater as a child who refuses food or refuses to eat or, on the other hand, wants to eat the same food over and over again, like bread and butter or cereal. What's important to know is that as long as the child is growing well and the child is thriving and developing normally, then it's not usually a problem and shouldn't be a reason to be stressed about. This picky eating typically happens to toddlers, so that's around two years of age and it peaks in the preschool years, usually settles by around the age of five. What parents worry is that their children are not eating enough or not eating the right food and, you know, this is going to lead to malnutrition. So it's important to have some basic understanding. Um, Number one is children naturally will lose a little bit of interest in their food in their toddler and preschool years. And one of the main reasons for that is it's a behavioral issue. It's, it's, it's got to do with them learning to have control over their parents. Because remember, a two-year-old child cannot really do anything for himself or herself. They rely entirely on their parents for everything. They depend on their parents for everything. But the one part where they can show their independence and their control over their parents is when it comes to what they eat, when they eat, and how much they eat. So it's actually a behavioral uh, aspect of their development, and it's when they are showing the parents that they have some control over their life as well. So it's got to be taken in a stride. The other important thing to know is that children imitate their parents a lot. 
So whatever the the parents are eating is what we should be offering our kids to eat as well. And it's very important to understand this because what parents often do is they prepare a separate meal or a kidney meal for the child, which might be too bland or too unappetizing. It's very important that, 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 that we understand that kids learn by imitation. So not only with eating, but in all other aspects of our lives. So what we do is what our children will generally imitate us and do. And what we say is what they will generally imitate and say as well. So even when it comes to the eating, it's very important that parents enjoy the same food and get the children involved in, in eating and in mealtime. What's also important to understand is that children's appetite vary. You know, they might be hungry sometimes, they might be less hungry at other times, and they might be very hungry at some time. Also, what's important is their growth changes over a period of time. So often, you know, in the first few months of life, I get complaints from parents like baby's drinking too much, the baby gets hungry every two hours, baby wakes up and wants to feed, and then when the child is two years old, it's the complete opposite. My child is not eating, my child doesn't want to eat food, he just wants to eat uh, cereal the whole day or whatever it is. So what's important to understand is as the child grows, their growth rate also changes, it slows down. The baby that's growing in the first year of life versus the second or third year of life, their growth rate is very different. To give you an example, a baby born um, at birth, the weight is around 3, 3.5 kilograms. By one year, the average weight of the baby is around 10 kilograms. So that baby has tripled its birth weight in one year. Um, a two-year-old child, for example, average weight would be about 12 or 13 kilos. Now imagine if that child had to grow at the same rate as, as a newborn baby. You're looking at that child being 36 kilograms in one year, you know, at three years old. So just to put you into perspective, the baby's growth rate, the children's growth rate, changes as they, as they grow up. It slows down dramatically. So that's why the intake of food also changes a lot. And what I often find is, is why children don't eat enough is they often drink more than they eat, right? And the reason for that I think uh, we've uh, lost our doctor there, and inshallah we'll try and uh, get him back. And uh, that's as uh, Dr. Rizwan Umar was uh, talking about, as a picky eater, and uh, many reasons are uh, coming through there. And alhamdulillah, well, uh, you should uh, perhaps uh, respect your child's appetite or the lack of one. If your child isn't hungry, don't force them to eat or, you know, a, a meal or a snack. And then some parents have the habit of telling the child, hey, you must eat the vegetables, and if you don't eat the vegetable, you're going to sit on the table till you finish it. And, you know, that will create a, a dislike for the child to even have uh, perhaps his supper or his lunch. So, you know, you need to stick to a routine, serve the meals and snack at about the same time every day. And, yes, in the house of Islam, we also have it. And beautifully, we teach them du'as before meals. So, uh, yes, our doctor is back. Uh, perhaps, uh, uh, Doc, were you and your Ferrari driving down the freeway and doing the show with us? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I was just uh, summarizing uh, this whole issue of picky eating and trying to condense the whole topic. But bottom line is, you know, it's a very common concern that parents have. It's something they often talk about to other parents. They often bring it up with me. It, it's a whole aspect of the child's uh, behavior and development that we have to take into account. And what's important, and the message I want to give out to the listeners is, we have to look at our own behavior when we are trying to, 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 to involve our, or when we're trying to assess 
how well or how poorly our children eat because they often imitate what we do. So like you were mentioning before I got reconnected, uh, you know, having the routine is very important. So there's a lot of aspects that we have to look into uh, when we're trying to improve the child's appetite. And what parents often ask me is, what can I do to improve my child's appetite? What multivitamins can I give them to improve their appetite? Now, what's important for us to know is the whole psychology behind this picky eating. And like I mentioned, and very important, it's one of the ways that this child is showing us their independence of their parents. And they want to show the parent, even that the, the two-year-old has, as small as they are, they're actually quite clever and intelligent people. They want to show their parents that we have control over our life. You know, we can decide when we want to eat, how much we want to eat. What's important for parents to know is that meal portions are generally not as much as we would expect them to eat, number one. And number two, you need to offer kids, you know, small meals throughout the day, like five to six meals throughout the day. And another very important thing is that the food must look appetizing. It must be colorful. It must be presentable. And, and food time must also be a fun activity. It mustn't be a stressful activity for the child. They mustn't be forced to sit down and eat and finish their food, you know. It's got to be a very relaxed and a very calm atmosphere for the child. What's important for the parents to know is by the time these children reach five to six years old, they generally blend in, eat almost everything, and, and their appetites are generally much better. So as long as the child is growing well and the child is not showing any signs of malnutrition, then it's, it's really not a problem. You just basically have to go with the flow, to put it simply, and, and have an understanding about picky eating and that it's actually quite a normal process. There are certain medical reasons why children won't eat well. And obviously, if there is a problem, then, then the doctor can look into that. For example, problems like where children have a problem where there's, there's too much of backward flow of the stomach the contents into the food pipe so they present with vomiting or, or, or burping or belching or bloatedness. If they have severe constipation, that can also affect their appetite. What's important to know is force feeding also causes children to refuse um, eating. So it's very important to never, ever force feed these children. To always make feeding time a fun activity. Um, if the child likes playing food, and sometimes the parents will tell me, my child only wants to eat bread and butter, only wants to eat cereal. That's fine. That's okay, as long as they enjoy it. And what we must show them, and like I mentioned it earlier as well, that kids learn by imitation. So parents must enjoy the same food and get them involved. Get these children involved right from the beginning. Take them to the grocery store. Help them pick, or to the market. Help them pick the vegetables. Help them, uh, you know, get the kids to help the parents pick the fruit or the food. Get them involved in the food preparation. Get them involved in the kitchen. You know, let them wear an apron and start working there and then, even get them to help serve their parents' food or serve their siblings the food and get them involved in the whole activity. So it must be a very relaxed uh, atmosphere during eating time and the kids must get involved. You know, rather than just putting the child on the chair, putting a plate of food there and telling him or her, now eat your food. It's all about getting these kids involved right from the beginning, you know, and, and getting them mm. to explore their food and, well, crazy, very good behavior. But I think it's important to emphasize that we should never be forced our children. Absolutely, uh, Dr. Ridwan Umar, and uh, a lovely preamble uh, from you there. I can also tell your listeners we'll be opening the lines at uh, 8.30. We'll be taking your questions and posing it to our pediatrician, 084-786-3132, 084-786-3132. Uh, that is the number to write the WhatsApp on. 
Uh, I don't know, Doctor, perhaps, uh, you know, listeners uh, are worried, or parents are listening, uh, the question going through their mind will be, will a toddler starve themselves, you know, if they're picky eaters and if they're not getting the right food and they just refuse to eat? What happens then, uh, Doc? Sorry, if the toddler refuses to eat... Yeah, will they starve themselves? No, no, no. They won't. Actually, sorry, Mark, I didn't hear that word. That's a good question. They, what's important to know is children don't starve themselves. The children won't stay hungry. They will eat when they are hungry. So that's a, that's a very important point that I always emphasize with parents, is that, you know, you shouldn't stress if your child is not eating because if the child keeps one meal, you just have to be patient and wait for the next meal time and offer them um, a meal to eat and they will eat. They will definitely eat because kids do not stay hungry. They never starve themselves. What we must often look at is the reasons as to why the child might be not hungry when we are offering them food. So if they had milk or they had a fruit juice half an hour before the meal time, then obviously that's going to suppress the appetite and they're not going to eat. So sometimes what we often forget is all the drinks that we've been offering the kids throughout the day and in between meal times, especially the milk and the fruit juices. Those things actually suppress the appetite. And so that is one of the reasons why the child might refuse to eat or not want to eat. But they will not starve themselves. They will definitely eat when it is time for them to eat and when they are hungry. And uh, doctor, you know, how do picky eaters uh, change their habits? What do you do for, the, for them to change that habit? Some of them perhaps are uh, so stubborn, they wouldn't want to listen to you. But uh, you need to have a lot of patience, a lot of TLC. How do you do it? Exactly. So the most important thing is to be patient with these children to understand that this is a behavioral issue. It is a normal part of their development. And I think it's important that the parents don't become frustrated or concerned that the child is not eating enough. Right? What's important is that parents and children must eat together as a family. Right? It's very important uh, for this to occur. It brings the family together. It improves communication. It helps the child develop and it improves the, you know, the love between the family. So eating together as a family is very important to help the children to eat. Second point, be a good role model to the kids. Eat healthy food and show the child that we actually enjoy that food. So, you know, it shouldn't be uh, do as, as, as you do, but rather... You know, do as you say. And if we do not like a certain type of a food, we shouldn't make negative comments in front of the kids about that food. And another important thing is the child needs to associate mealtimes with positive feelings, right? It must, be, it must be an enjoyable experience. They must be praised during that time. Mealtimes must always be kept relaxed and calm. You know, we shouldn't be pushing the child to finish their food and force feeding them and making it stressful for them because... Nagging and punishment adds stress to the eating experience, and this can affect the child's appetite. So we must we must understand that this is you know the child's way of showing their control over their parents, and so you must allow them that independence that they have. And so what we show them is, as the parents, we are responsible for providing the food and for creating a positive environment, but the child is responsible for how much they want to eat or even whether they want to eat. And we shouldn't stress if they don't want to eat, like I mentioned, because the next feeding time, they'll probably be hungry and they'll eat. All we need to look at what we've been giving them. And a very common reason that I find why children don't eat enough is because they're drinking too much of milk. And what's very important 
is that we limit the milk intake for children over one year of age to at least, or not more than 500 milk per day. And if we're giving them fruit juices, I wouldn't recommend that we give them more than half a glass of, of fruit juice per day. Because the fruit juices are loaded with sugar, and that's an appetite suppressant. And the other thing is the milk. Too much of milk will suppress the appetite, and they won't eat well. So often we find that the reason why these kids are not eating is because they're covering up with the milk, and they're just drinking sometimes one and a half, two liters of milk per day, which, which cuts them up, and then they can't get really eat. So it's important for us to look at other things that might be causing their appetite to be down. Alhamdulillah, I can tell you, time's really flying, but Alhamdulillah, your questions are flying in too. Quite a few questions have come through, but uh, before we go to the break, perhaps uh, the question, uh, does uh, picky eating affect growth, uh, doctor? Well, picky eating per se won't affect the growth of the child because it's not defined as something that's pathological. It's not an abnormality or, or a disease. But if there is some medical problem that's causing this uh, poor intake of food, then yes, it can cause malnutrition. For example, if the child has, um, you know, some, some like neurodevelopmental disorder, for example, if the child is autistic or the child has some neurological dis- disease or disorder like, like cerebral palsy or something, that can result in malnutrition. But a child who is otherwise normal and healthy without any underlying medical problems, they shouldn't, they shouldn't have any, any signs of malnutrition. One of the other reasons why children become picky eaters is because of iron deficiency, which is a very common uh, problem in, in, in pediatrics and in children, and there's many reasons for that. One is because of worms. You know, children like to play outside in the sand. When they play in the sand, they ingest worms, and that causes iron deficiency. And sometimes because they don't eat enough of the right food, and that can cause, you know, a poor appetite, and that, that on its own can, can lead to other problems. You know, like when you've got iron deficiency, the child will have what we call mental and motor retardation. So they're not so energetic and playful and active. Uh, you know, they're not so, so uh, uh, their minds are not so bright that we are, how we would expect a, a two-year-old child to be. So we always have to look for, for other causes like iron deficiency, anemia that might be causing it. So if you're worried about the child being a picky eater, it's important to go to the doctor or to the clinic, get the child weighed, get the height done, let them look at the child and, and make sure that the child is growing well. And if this child's growth is within the normal range, then there's really nothing to be worried about. It's important to get a good history about what we are giving the child, how much we're giving the child. Sometimes we give the child a lot of these, these formulas, you know, for growing kids. Even though the mm-hmm. child is not eating, those, those formulas will actually provide them a lot of the, the, the nutrients that they need, like the vitamins and all the other micro-elements like zinc and calcium and everything else that they need. So... It's not often that you'll find a picky eater who's malnourished. But it's important to get the child always checked. So they should go through the regular checkup to get weight, get their height checked, and make sure that the children are going well. Alhamdulillah. Yes, uh, lovely advice coming through from our doctor, our pediatrician this evening, uh, Dr. Ridwan Umar. Uh, time for us to go to the marketplace. And when we get back, inshallah, we'll be fielding your questions uh, to the doctor. You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. 8.35 Central African Time, our pediatrician, Dr. Ridwan Umar, is in consultation and alhamdulillah, getting all your questions through you simply. It's 084-786-3132. Looking at Kaki from the region, she says, Assalamu alaikum, Shafaat and Dr. Ridwan. We were brought up 
that it's important for health that children must eat in the morning. Now I see all new style young, young mothers, they'll even send their kids to school without uh, things to eat. How will this affect the kids? Hey, Kaki from the Ridge is observing the young mothers, uh, doctor. You know, we always thought that the main meal of the day is breakfast. So, you know, when a child starts their day, it's very important to give them a good, healthy, nutritious start to the day. Remember, when these children go to school, they require a very alert mind to, to be focused on their work, to pay attention, to concentrate. Because remember, their mind is absorbing information all the time, and it requires good nutrition. That brain needs food to function. So it's very important that the parents make sure their, ch- their children get a good, balanced, and nutritious breakfast before they go. So they should never leave home without eating. It's as simple as that. You heard it. Doctor said they shouldn't leave home without eating. Give them a even. Doc, what about that lovely, big, juicy medjitul kajur? You know that big one. You just put one in your yeah. mouth. You, instead, you're thinking you're having a, a kajur, but it's more like a gulab jamun. What do you think of that? <laughs> having a nice. I think that's a brilliant idea. I think it's a brilliant idea. There's a lot of good nutrition in kajur. It's got good sugar dose for the kids to keep them alert and awake. It's also very high in fiber, surprisingly. So, and you know, constipation is a very common problem in children. And I often tell the parents, give your children lots of kajur to eat because it's high in fiber. So it's nutritious. It's a sunnah also, you know. I mean, kajur comes from, from the blessed land, you know. So I think it's an excellent idea. Put back a few dates even in their lunchbox when they go to school. Because remember, children don't usually eat too much. It's, it's more the quality of food that we give them rather than the quantity. So Brother Shafar, I think that's a brilliant suggestion. <laughs> parents, put a Put a, a kajur or two on their plate in the morning for breakfast, and inshallah, they'll get a very good start to the day. And their tummies will work well also because it's high in fiber. Yeah, I tell you, Doc, you gave me an idea. After the show, I'm going <laughs> a to... Brilliant the idea. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tackle those kajur there. Definitely. Those yeah. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Aisha Suleiman says, Assalamu alaikum to all. Um, giving us a lovely medical program uh, week after um, week. Uh, Jazakallah khair for that. Says, uh, bless the Marcus Sahaba. Also, our Mufti of Marcus, I told my daughter, please uh, stop giving my grandson poloni and patties and sausages. But she says it has no bad effect on him. I am worried. Doctor, how would you uh, advise uh, Mrs. Aisha Suleyman? Well, I would say that if the child is enjoying the patties and the poloni, then there's no real harm in that because it is it is nutritious food for the child. It's, it's processed meat, so... Obviously, you've got to make sure you buy good quality processed meat. We don't want processed meat that's made out of too much of fat and, and other waste products. You know, it must be good quality processed meat. And then there's no problem. It's actually good for the child because it's a great source of protein. Meat is an excellent source of protein. In fact, it's the best source of protein that we can find. So remember that these children are growing people. Unlike us, you know, adults, we've grown up already. Our bones have already reached their full potential and all our organs are fully grown. But these little people, they they growing, you know, they need protein. Protein is our building block to grow. So they need protein to develop muscle, to grow their organs, you know, for the bones to grow, you need protein. And, and meat is a good source of protein. Chips is carbohydrates, which we also need, and children also need that. It's a bit of fuel, the sugar that they need. So it's not unhealthy to give them that type of food if they like it, but it's good to balance it. 
uh, you know, in, in terms of, of, of what we give them. So we shouldn't be giving them junk food all the time, but I think if you give them a good balance, then it's not a problem at all. Alhamdulillah, Baraka is flowing this evening uh, with the presence of uh, Dr. Ridwan Umar, our pediatrician. Sufyan says, Assalamu alaikum to the studio team, Shafa'at. We always uh, look forward to Dr. Ridwan Umar because we have four little ones. MashaAllah goes on to say, Our youngest one is two. He spits out everything but happy to eat chocolates and biscuits all day and knickknacks. He seems uh, so healthy, thriving on junk. What is that, Doctor? <laughs> Alhamdulillah, firstly, the parent is blessed to have four lovely children, and I'm actually amused by this little two-year-old behavior with regards to food. But like I mentioned earlier on in the show, you know, if you've got a child who only wants to eat a certain thing, then it's important for us to, to show them by means of us, uh, you know, the way, the way we eat and what we eat. It's important to get them involved in that activity. So... You know, if the child wants to eat it, we can't just stop it overnight and just take away the chocolate or the knickknacks. But we must get our children, that same two-year-old, we must get that child involved in, 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 in the whole food process, from, from going to buy the food, from preparing the food, get the child involved in the kitchen. And remember, the two-year-old would love to play in the kitchen. You give mm-hmm. them a spoon, you give them a bowl, you give them some, uh, you know, whatever it is yogurt or peanut butter to mix and play and splash around. Then you put them, you know, put the child on the table with you and you're eating and make it an exciting activity. They will gradually change their, their, their appetite and, and, and as well, their appetite for the knickknacks and the chocolate to more healthy and nutritious food. That child is obviously not growing on the knickknacks and the, and, the, and, the, and the chocolate. That child is probably getting enough milk to sustain its growth. But obviously the, the knickknacks and chocolate is not a not a healthy diet. And what's important here is for parents to not introduce their children from a very young age to, to too much of sugary foods and junk food because then it becomes a problem weaning them off it. But I think with this, this parent's um, particular situation, the best thing to do is to get the child involved in, in the whole um, eating process, right from buying the food, buying the groceries to preparing the food to serving the food. And inshallah, with time, the child will, will change his or her eating habits. Inshallah. Mariam Jusuf says, Assalamu alaikum. Allah guide us all on the straight path. Jazakallah for the program. My question for Dr. Umar, what's the best, what best to feed our children for strong immunity against COVID, doctor? Yeah, that's a good question. Currently, COVID um, is causing causing a lot of problems, causing a lot of illness, disease, and devastation, not only at home, but around the world. I, I wish we knew what was the magic remedy or the magic bullet for this disease so that we could get rid of it. I think the most important thing is that we must make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect uh, all of us from this disease and those who are um, afflicted with it to grant them shifa and those who have passed away, Allah ta'ala must give them genitals for those. I think the most Amen. important thing in this case my sister has asked the question is that we make dua. Dua is very important in protection from all types of disease. There's no specific magic bullet to protecting oneself from COVID. It's the basic principles of living a healthy lifestyle, exercise, getting enough sunshine. And the reason why sunshine is important is it's good for the skin and it's good for vitamin D. And vitamin D deficiency can suppress or depress our immune system. So vitamin D is a very important 
vitamin that is very commonly um, deficient in people, even in children, because often we find that people don't spend enough time outdoors, and it's a very common deficiency, and having low vitamin D levels can depress our immunity. It's very important to eat a good, balanced, healthy diet, and I always tell parents that there's no need to go and buy a multivitamin syrup or to go and buy a zinc supplement or to go and take high doses of vitamin C with the hope that we're going to boost our immune system and we're going to protect ourselves from getting sick. It's, it's important to live a healthy lifestyle. So get enough sleep, drink lots of water, eat healthy food, eat lots of fruit. There's lots of healthy, good nutrition in fruit. Eat, you know, they always talk about fish oils being very good for the brain of children. So I tell the parents, you don't have to go and buy fancy uh, pills and all that with fish oil. Buy fish and, and, you know, cook fish at home for your kids. That's the best source of fish oil you're going to get and you're going to give your kids as well. So, you know, I, I, I don't advocate the specific use of any vitamin or, or, or zinc supplement to protect us from COVID. I think it's just the general measures of, of eating well, eating healthy, eating a balanced diet, you know, a little bit of, of everything in, in there, and, and, and then to practice, you know, the, the measures that we've been taught of sanitizing, washing our hands with soap and water, avoiding contact, and then obviously the person who, if, if we are sick, we should stay at home and we should only go out of our home if there's absolutely essential need to go out. I think those are all the measures that will help protect us, not only from COVID, but from any other disease. Yes, sir, Doc, I've been uh, noticing that uh, the price of garlic has uh, really shot up. It's gone to 400 rands a kg because they say uh, garlic helps in, uh, you know, uh, boosting the immune system. I remember doing an article in 1980 or or something on that. And also, uh, you know, uh, many uh, are using that. And as you spoke about, people used to buy hake liver oil, cod liver oil and things like that. But you said the best is get the fish and eat it. It has it all. Uh, Doc, your comments? Yeah, I, I think you're 100% right there. And in fact, you know, I would encourage the listeners, if they're going to buy the fish, to call you and ask you for the recipe because I always hear you talk about fish curry <laughs> on radio, you know. So <laughs> I, think, I think they can ask you for good recipes there, fish curry. So, yeah, you know, there's a lot of good value in food. And, you know, we must thank Almighty Allah for all the food that He has given us that has so much of nutrition in it. We don't have to go out and buy these artificial supplements and, and multivitamins and all those things. Eat good, healthy food. So garlic, garlic is an excellent um, uh, uh, food that's easily available. And in fact, in our type of cooking, our Indian food, we use a lot of garlic. So it's got a lot of antiviral properties in it, anti-inflammatory, antibacterial. It's an excellent uh, product that we should eat. Even ginger, for that matter, is very, very good. In fact, I often encourage my patients to make, you know, when they have the common cold or, or flu-like illnesses or all these upper respiratory tract infections, I tell them, take freshly grated ginger, boil it on the stove with the hot water, um, boil it with water on the stove, and then pour it into a cup, add a teaspoon of honey, add a, uh, a few drops of freshly squeezed lemon juice and drink it. Lemon juice, lemon is an excellent um, antioxidant, you know, antiviral. It's got high doses of vitamin C. So if you make that cup of boiling water, you add some freshly um, grated ginger, you boil it, you add vitamin C, and you add some honey. There's a lot of shifa in honey. I mean, that Allah Ta'ala mentions in the Quran. So, you know, those are basic, simple remedies that are effective. And here you're getting natural sources of vitamins. For example, I said vitamin C. Good source of vitamin C is lemon. And we all know how good vitamin C is for our immune system. So there's no need to go and buy vitamin C tablets and, 
all those other things just just have, have fresh lemon in, in boiling water and then it will do good. So I think I think you know if Brother Shafat maybe getting Dr. Imran Tiga to do a talk on on food that heals might actually be a good idea because he's the master on this this aspect and I know he's also a regular doctor on your show and he'll he'll actually be able to give us the specifics of which particular food for which particular uh, ailments and illnesses and how they will help us. Now, I see even the doctor, what's his name, uh, Faru Kaifiji, also is uh, quite an uh, expert on their nutrition and things it, like that. Yeah, yes, no, there's, uh, there's a big role. There's a big role in, in, in food and what we eat and how it helps us all around, you know. So basically the message I want to give our listeners is we shouldn't be looking for the solution to protect ourselves from any disease or ailment in a, in a pill or in a multivitamin. That's not going to do anything. You know, but um, just to answer the sister's question, if we do get a viral infection, for example, COVID disease, zinc, and it's easily available as a tablet to get it as a syrup for children as well. Zinc is a good antiviral, and there have been um, studies to show that it helps when we have viral infections, whether you've got a viral chest infection, a viral upper respiratory tract infection, even if you've got a viral gastroenteritis, you know, vomiting and diarrhea in children. I often put the children on a zinc supplement. So if you are sick with a viral infection, then zinc is a very, very good, um, you know, micronutrient to, to take. And it's easily available even for kids as, as young as they might be. You know, you can get a, a syrup to give them. So if we do have a viral infection, I think zinc is important. But it's not necessary to take it all the time, you know, to be on a zinc supplement all the time. Because, and with any vitamin for that matter, even vitamin C, if we're going to take it all the time. What we actually get is then uh, overload of these of these vitamins and these minerals in our body, and that also can harm. So just like how a deficiency of something can cause problems, and excess can also cause problems. So we don't want to get too much of, of of any of these vitamins. So it's important to get a balance. But if we are sick with a viral infection, then definitely there's a role for zinc. Well, I tell you, doctor, talking about the mizan, the balance has to be there in anything. Uh, this message just said, Assalamu alaikum. I'm uh, from the Ilyas family. Please convey salams to our leader, Mufti A.K. Hussain. Shafaat, we enjoy your shows with a pediatrician, Dr. Ridwan Umar. Our five-year-old son only eats a meat on his plate. Rice, potatoes, and veg he won't touch. We worry what nutrients he is missing out on. Please advise, doctor. Sorry, what does he eat only on straight? I didn't get that. He's a meat eater. He only loves his meat. meat. He leaves out the potatoes, the rice, and the veg. He won't touch it. Yeah. Well, like I said earlier on, you know, meat is a very good source of protein. He's a five-year-old. He's growing. So he needs that protein to grow. And I think if he's... If, you know, if it was the other way around, I would be more concerned. If he was only eating the potatoes or the pasta or the rice, because that's carbohydrates. Carbohydrates, when we eat it, 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 it goes into the body and it's just converted into a sugar. So all the rice and pasta and potatoes that we eat, once we eat it and it gets digested, it's converted into a sugar. And we know what sugar does. It just gets stored in our body. But protein, which comes from meat, and meat is the best source of protein, is actually the building block for that, for, that, for that little boy to grow up and to grow healthy and strong. So I don't think the parent needs to stress because the child will get his carbohydrates from other sources as well. You know, he might have bread or he might have roti with his meat and, and that will give him his carbohydrates. But what I think um, the parent can do 
is instead of giving too much of a variety at each meal, they should they should try and give him a choice of two things, you know, at at at, uh, at meal time. For example, you tell the child, okay, today you can choose between rice and potato, rather than giving them meat, rice, and potato. But obviously, it's got to be done over a, over a period of time. And the other important thing is to offer the children small meals throughout the day. So if the one meal he wants the meat, that's fine. The next meal, you can give him a choice of, um, you know, the, the carbohydrates, either potato or pasta or whatever he might might want to have. But it's not something to worry too much about. Yes, uh, you know, parents do get concerned, but uh, Alhamdulillah, as you said, uh, the, he's eating the meat, he'll be a strong lad. Uh, Safiya Osman says, Assalamu alaikum, Jazakallah, uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Ridwan Umar, for your time and professionalism. My four-year-old daughter loves tea. She cries for tea. It seems uh, to fill her uh, too because uh, she doesn't eat much. Is it okay to have three cups of tea a day for a small child? Yeah, I, I actually know some, uh, you know, some elders or some uh, grown-up men. They only live on tea, doc. Yeah, that's a good question. Now, with regards to tea, firstly, what I would like to inform our listeners, children under one year old shouldn't be given tea at all. So we often find that we give our kids or our little ones, the infants under one year, sips of tea to drink, thinking that, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. But the problem with tea is that it competes with iron for absorption in the gut. And in the under one year old, iron is very important for them and for their growth and for their red blood cells and all those things. So it's very important as a message to our listeners, if under one year old, don't offer them any tea at all. And I always tell the parents that after the age of one, by all means, you can give them tea during the day. There's no harm with it. But I would say three cups of tea a day is a bit too much for that little child. What's going to happen with that amount of tea is the child is going to skip meals and not want to eat. So what the parents will have to do is they'll have to gradually start reducing the amount of tea they actually give the child. And how I usually advise the parents to do this, you see, you can't cut, cut it down from three cups to two cups. The child is going to cry and howl and make sure that he or she gets it eventually. So what I usually tell the parents, for example, if you're giving them, like, in a bottle, 200 mils of tea, I tell them, cut it down to 180 mils for, for a week or two. Let the child get used to that volume. Then you cut it down to 160 mils for a week or two. So basically, you gradually reduce the volume so slowly that the child doesn't actually realize that you're cutting it down. So they're still getting their tea when they want it, but the quantity is reduced. And, and it, works, it works very well whenever, whenever we try that out. So, but you just got to be very gradual about it, and very small amounts that you reduce it. But three cups a day for such a small child mm. is not a good thing. Mm. No, absolutely. But uh, too much and uh, that content of uh, too much of tea. And uh, they become addicted to tea. Yusra Arbi says, Assalamu alaikum uh, to you all. The program is ace. My uh, little one of three years old cries whenever I put him at table to eat. He won't put anything in his mouth, but he is fine to run around the house with a fruit or a sandwich. Uh, should I just leave him alone, doctor? Yeah, that's the typical child that we were talking about early on in the introduction of this program, where, you know, that whole mealtime environment is very important for the child. So we must avoid making it a stressful time for the child, avoid force-feeding the child during the eating time. Let the child do what we are doing. So let the child watch what we are doing. Let the child partake and eat the same food that we are eating. Also, what's important during uh, mealtime is to avoid distractions, 
you know, if wherever we're eating, in the dining room or whatever, so make sure the television is not turned on because those distractions will also affect these children's appetite and, and, and their focus on the food and on the activity, which is the family getting together and, and eating together as a family. So make sure that there's, there's no interferences and distractions from the television, from the radio. All the games and toys and devices and everything are out of, out of sight and out of reach. Eating time is an important family time. And the child must be encouraged to, 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 to make it, you know, uh, an enjoyable. We must encourage the child by making it an enjoyable experience for them. Don't force them. What's another thing that's very important is, you know, offering the child a certain type of food once or twice might not be enough for them to like the food. Sometimes you've got to offer the child the, the, the same food many times, even 10 times before they accept it. So even the previous question where the sister said, my child only likes meat. You know, what you should do is then you just, you just take the potato and you keep giving the child potato. Eventually, the children will, will, will explore that and, 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 you know, get familiar with them. Uh, get familiar with these new foods, and then they'll actually, they'll actually start eating it. So it's a slow process. Parents have to be very sharp, very witty, and very tactful about how they approach their children with their food. You know, you've got, you got to praise them. You've got to avoid bribing children. It doesn't work. I think that's very important. Once you start bribing kids that if you eat this, then I'm going to get you your ice cream, then it teaches the child, that certain foods are more enjoyable and more desirable than others, and we shouldn't be doing that. Because what will happen over time, for example, if you tell your child, eat your peas or you won't get the ice cream, over a period of time it will backfire because what they'll do is they'll eat that particular food to get the reward. But then what happens is once they don't get the reward, they'll stop eating that food or they'll start disliking, uh, you know, the food. So I think it's, it's very important that we, we make the mealtime fun time. For now, this child likes his snacks and his sandwiches, and that's, that's fine. That's not a problem. But just get the child more involved in food preparation. Get the child to play in the kitchen with you. Give the child a, you know, this wooden ladle or a plastic bowl and let the child play around with the food so they get more involved in it. And inshallah, it will, it will get better with time. Inshallah. We have about two minutes to go, Doc. I'm going to pose the last question, and uh, perhaps in two minutes you could answer that and give your parting words. Uh, Mr. Akub says, Assalamu alaikum to Shafaat and uh, Dr. Ridwan Umar. Our four-year-old son, Hamza, eats a very little, like just one small meal around 11 a.m. of, say, mash and a bit of chicken. Then only around 4 o'clock he will want uh, a one-slice cheese sandwich, and he's uh, done all till the day, uh, till the next day. Is that normal? Um, that's not enough for that child. I mean, basically, the child is just having two feeds for the day. But what we have to look into here is how much of milk the child is getting in between, how much of water the child is getting, how much of juices the child is getting. But those two meals for the day is definitely not adequate. Like I mentioned earlier on, a child this age should be getting between five to six meals a day. But what parents must remember is a small amount. So we've got to keep offering them small amounts. You know, what you can do for snack time is, like like we mentioned earlier, offer them a few days. To eat. Remember, their tummies are small. They don't eat too much. They're more interested in play. That's their main activity. So, you know, you can offer them kajur or dates in between as a snack. You can offer them, uh, you know, uh, uh, like a one-slice peanut butter sandwich. Peanut butter is also high in protein, and that's what children need. So they're getting, they're getting good nutrition through that. So... They, they also, you know, we must make sure we're not giving them too much of, of juices and milk in between. So this little boy that the father is definitely probably getting other things in between. 
that the person is appetite. Um, you know, if the parent is worried, my message is go to the doctor or to the clinic, get your child weighed, get your child's height measured, let the doctor look at your child and decide if there's any problem, if there's any medical reason why the child is not eating. For example, the child might have a problem of reflux, which is a common thing. The child might have some type of a swallowing disorder or a chewing disorder. That's important to understand as well. Sometimes the child might have a tongue tie that needs to be uh, corrected because sometimes the tongue tie will cause problems with, with the chewing. So, you know, there could be sensory issues that the child has and sometimes getting the occupational therapist involved. Sometimes you get a speech and language therapist involved as well. There might be, you know, what we call sensory issues like things like sight and, and taste and touch that the child you know, the way the brain processes that information is not yet developed, and that might affect the child's eating. So, in summary, I think it's just important to know that picky eaters, it's a challenge for parents. Don't stress. Just be relaxed about it and be very uh, very creative in how you, 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 you choose to tempt your child to eat. Just make the food colorful and appetizing. And if you're worried, then, then by all means, go out, get your child checked up. There might be a medical problem or a medical reason for it, but most of the time, it's just about how we approach the child and the tact that we use for the children. You've got to be one smarter than that two-year-old. And in conclusion, Brother Shafat, I want to thank you for this opportunity to talk. It's always a pleasure to address your listeners. I want to also thank the listeners for their participation. It's their participation that makes... Your call has been placed on hold. Please wait. Well, I tell you, yes, uh, doctor, uh, absolutely brilliant this evening. Uh, cool, calm, Your call has and, uh, been collected. placed on hold. Jazakallah uh, for that, uh, doctor. And uh, yes, uh, well, let me thank all the listeners for giving us uh, those uh, lovely questions. Uh, time for us to go for the azan, and inshallah, when we get back, a pertinence of punctuated uh, will be uh, uh, conducted, inshallah.